I don't see it like you do. Like I like colors. Um, I don't, I don't so get invested in the nuance. I don't have as much of an emotional reaction as you do. It's true. I like colors. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, here's, I'll just get right into forest green. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, all right. That's why I'm going to get right into forest green. <laughs> Whatever. I'll I think it. of Crayola crayons. I, all I can picture yeah, is getting the, the forest green Crayola crayon and coloring some pictures. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less certain and more curious life. I'm Scott. And I'm Mace. Welcome to this episode where we are going to talk about fantasy. Really excited. What what is what comes up for you when you hear the word fantasy? And did you know there's two spellings of the word? And I wanna say that maybe it's maybe my own sense of finding myself here. Of we're we're recording. And it's a little bit different take or a different approach or a different posture than in the past, mm-hmm. which is we would often in the past spend two hours drilling down on one topic and going at it from every lens. And we still would love to do that when time allows, but maybe we're trying not to take it so seriously. I don't know the right words I would use for it, but like uh, thinking, thinking that we could tackle everything in two hours. Yeah. I think we're almost like we're going for 45 minutes of thinking about it, but really not trying to nail it down. I mean, we never were trying to nail it down necessarily, but even a little less, uh, I think there's still, uh, yeah, just a a little slight different posture, but we're also trying segments. I don't even know if we will go back to big long to our conversations because I kind of like, uh, segments. We tried that last week and I think it's really fun. It'd be fun to do it as like a throwback. I guess what I thought I was doing, I'll speak for myself. Yeah. With I feel curi- like you have a little bit of a different relationship. Well, with curiosity, us. I mean, all this stuff emerged. We wanted a podcast where we were going to say everything is interesting. Yes. And we just wanted to talk. Yes. And then some sort of like quasi mission started to emerge. Plus you're more curious. And I started feeling some pressure, whatever word we want to use there to get extra curious. And so whatever, whatever it is that we were going to research, I was like, oh, well, research. I'm going to really research this this yeah, week. And I was yeah. going to spend, I was going to buy books on dreams. And yeah, I was you were like preparing to have two hours worth of content mm-hmm. for And some new things for listeners. So this is, here's how I'd say it. You mean, this is what I'll speak for myself. Yeah, I think you are speaking <laughs> for yourself right now. Because I don't, I think we have different experiences. Okay, so here's how I'm approaching it. It's prompts. Yes. So it's not, uh, my hope with that, this would be not intended to like necessarily give you a bunch of new information. Like, Oh, Scott came in and researched fantasy. Like I don't even have the dictionary definition pulled up, but I do have a somewhat light working definition of fantasy in my head. I think we've said this to this audience enough times. They get it. I think we've said it so many times. It's prompts. It's free association. 
Well, who's the audience? That's a great point. Who's Maybe this? it's yourself. Maybe you have to keep saying it to yourself. <laughs> I mean, this could theoretically be on the airways 10 years from now, and there's a brand new person. I guess that's true. So, I, guess I don't that's know who true. this, we said this to this audience <laughs> I feel like we already. Always, I feel like we, we always, haven't even released these episodes. I feel like we always spend like the first five minutes being like, we're changing it by doing its prompts. And I'm like, we always do it as prompts, I think, for the past while. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like if I said, if uh, in my mind, in my memory, we've said prompts maybe four times in four episodes lightly and those even haven't been released yet. So I don't even know how people... My reference is our free association episode. I think ever since then, we've we've kind of acknowledged that and said that. That really brings up... Now the episode. Now we we're this episode's going to be on the, the audience now. <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> but that that sort of that sort of I guess implies that that people listen that way, like they've been listening nice in order, following along, and also we'll just tell them by doing it. Oh right, right. You know? I mean, but I also have fun saying it. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> uh, I I like to imagine a new listener, and they're like, "What is this?" No, they I mean, like I'm like, "What's no the fantasy?" Thing? That's that's yeah, my question. I'm like, "What is your fantasy with this?" Yeah, for some reason, I picture. Uh, I don't know who I'm picturing. Uh, um, I, I don't want to say anything too particular because then that will make somebody that's not because like I, oh, I have a fantasy. Oh, I have a fantasy that someone goes, "Oh, here I go listening to a small thing." Oh, here they are again, telling us for the first 10 minutes what the podcast is of prompts and these things. Yeah. And, and they're, I, and they're what? And they're annoyed. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> and would you be, uh, yeah, I might. I'd be like, I, I know Knox and Jamie, you guys are a pop culture podcast that does these things. I have this fantasy of somebody listening and we go, we're going to talk about fantasy this week. And they go, Oh, I'm, I'm, I clicked on it. I saw that this, these people are going to be talking about fantasy, fantasy. They must have done a ton of research. I'm, I'm ready for some new information. Yeah. And I'm like, nope. Well, I think we might have new information for people. <laughs> I, I'm like, yeah, I Let's think dive that's into still, it. I think we should dive Let's into just it. Like then. Take, d- take a big dive off that high dive and jump right into the content. Let's yeah. get rid of yeah. this. <laughs> these like freaking disclaimers and these warm ups. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> We're just going to go right into it. Exactly. Five minutes in. Okay. All right. What are your, what's your first, let's say this. So people, you clicked this episode, the word fantasy <laughs> is going to be spelled two separate ways. PH fantasy and F fantasy. And then F fantasy could mean all kinds of things. What is your initial associations to the Lord word? of the Rings? Right. Okay. Like a like a fantastical made up world, mm. Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, fantasy. Yeah, it's like a genre. A genre, and I think the thing that's interesting to us in terms of these two distinctions that we'll get into in a little bit: ph fantasy, p h a n t a s y fantasy, and then fantasy spelled with an f, the typical way, whatever that means. And, um, I would say the reason I wanted to bring it up today, or I wanted to talk about it personally was the way I have been using it as in a way in casual conversation Mm -hmm. of late Mm -hmm. to me seems helpful for curiosity and for communication. Yes. Yes. I think that's exactly it. I think 
coming into uh, a fun way of playing around with the word fantasy, both PH and F, and thinking about it is, I would agree, exactly that. It's like a, a new tool that all of a sudden opens up new possibilities yeah. of how to think about something. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, should we try and... I guess people I guess people would say that there's, like, I mean, a fantasy you could take that. That could be used in millions and millions of different ways. But Fantasy I, dreams. When you say, oh, Lord of the Rings, also I think probably, like, sexual fantasies come right. up for people. Right, exactly. You know, whatever. Exactly. Daydreaming fantasies. Well, and I think in that genre, and this is where I would like, I think that this is where this can be really useful is if you can neutralize it, what's your fantasy and not have it be fantasy good or fantasy bad mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that all of a sudden changes mm -hmm. the something. Mm. So even the idea of like sexual fantasies or whatever, I think there's a very weighted connotation around it, like fantasy. Yeah. And it's like, well, what if fantasy is just neutral and a part of life that, that fantasy is what we do as people yeah. in order to live. So it starts to neutralize these things like, Ah, you had sexual fantasies. It's like, well, yeah, we all do. Well, I'm a human that like functions. Well, okay, so I think we're already right into it. Yeah. How uh, do you want to go with how you are finding useful, or should I say a way I've been? Well, should we useful? explain what the word like? Should we explain the distinction between the two? Mm, yeah, go for it. But yep, yep, yep. Because I, so I, the thing is, <laughs> here's what I'll say is. The concept of pH fantasy I got introduced to, I think actually probably from Scott, but then more aggressively yeah. in studying specific fields of psychology. And I would say I have by no means understand it, but it's useful. It's one of those, I think you said this the other day about uh, something else. So it's like, I, I don't fully get it, but it's somehow also useful mm -hmm. in the me grappling with this. Mm -hmm. But essentially there's this person like in the it's early psychoanalytic language that comes up with the idea of fantasy, which spelled the pH, which represents unconscious drives or instincts, yeah. essentially. So it's, it's like a word to describe that there's something going on beneath the surface around desire that, that we aren't aware of, but that's still affecting us. And you would call that a fantasy. Yeah. What's the, what's the fantasy? You could ask that in with the question of what's the fantasy, what's the unconscious desire in here. And then also what's the fantasy? What's the conscious fantasy? What's your conscious sense of your fantasy? And you could wonder about both of those essentially. And would you say fantasy pH is something that might be emerging in our dreams that could emerge in our dreams that we would notice. I in think our dreams? so. I think, I think, and, and this is where I'm like, I don't know. I wish I like had gone back and looked at a certain lecture. I think some people would say that pH is dreams. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Ah. <laughs> well, not for certain, not for certain. It's also one of those words that's like, been taken up by many different people and means different things to different people, but it's mostly trying to get at this idea of unconscious. Like you, when you're talking about, when you say the word pH, it always means it's in the unconscious. Yeah. So that's like, that's the stipulation with that word is that totally. it's, it's unconscious. 
This is a little quote from this thing. It says, uh, what will determine the characters of individual psychology is the nature of their unconscious fantasies and how they are related to external reality. Okay, try it. Please read it again. Yeah. Maybe even two more times. (laughs) Uh, Here we go. I'll just, I'll start a little earlier. Uh, This is from a book on the introduction of the work of Melanie Klein by Hannah Siegel. Uh, Okay, here we go. It's got Freud. So if you like Freud, cool. If you don't like Freud, shrug. Uh, Here we go. In her work, Freud's concept of unconscious fantasy has been very much extended and given more weight. So this is Melanie Klein. Unconscious fantasies are ubiquitous and always active in every individual. That is to say their presence is no more indicative, indicative of illness or lack of reality sense than it is the presence of the Oedipus complex. What will determine the character of the individual psychology is the nature of these unconscious fantasies and how they are related to the external reality. Oh, oh boy. Is it making any sense? Oh boy, oh boy. Is it bringing things up? It just brings up how deep it is. I remember this is kind of when we were doing our Winnicott play episode. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh boy, Mm -hmm. oh boy. No, it gets kind of heady a little bit. I want, in, I want, I have a desire to put the, the pH conversation on hold. I love that. And, and, and talk about fantasy with an F. Great. And then wrap up this conversation from this part of the episode uh, with a, a brief dipping our toe into pH. Great. Fantasy. I love that. I love that. I mean, that's a great <laughs> choice because it's kind of weird. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it is. It is. And I, and I get, I think I get it. Not, not that you would ever fully get it, but that, but that, uh, I also think it's just like really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so he, so here's how fantasy, everybody fantasy with an F, how I've been using it in, in, in everyday communication with other people, including Mace and the, the way I have found it to be useful. Yes. <laughs> Tell us. Well, so I think it's this idea of like, uh, there's something there's that might be tension. There's something in, in a relationship. So everybody, curiosity, helping you live a less certain, more curious life. It, it, it's it's way harder than it sounds. Way harder. It sounds so right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm, it's like something that sounded so playful, and it is. And I have found in my life, and I think Mace has too, that like once you say we're seeking to be curious, why why the heck is it so hard? It's like, I desire to be curious. I'm setting out to be curious and I'm not being curious. What the heck? And so you need a little tool and you, and you need about a hundred million tools. <laughs> <laughs> you need a little tool you can pull out. And it's like, don't just think you can just do it with sheer willpower. No, willpower Try those little tools. Enough. Try this little tool. <laughs> and so the fantasy thing is something I found helpful for myself. Just talking to myself, yeah. talking to myself, writing in a journal. But like, so... If you're talking to someone and they're like, blah, 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 I'm anxious, I'm nervous, this, 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 and you can go, well, anxious and nervous, any situation, any situation. But I'm kind of talking about like my own self. I get a little sketched out with like, ask me to come to this party. And I'm like, I don't want to go to that party. Well, what's the fantasy of what you think is going to happen? What's going to happen is I'm going to show up. I'm not going to know anybody. Uh, There's not going to be a plan. I'm not going to like the food. The people are going to be mean. Uh, there's not going to be an end time. I don't have a car like now, now. Okay. So now we've brought the, 
reality for it. I'll, I'll take, or the fantasy for it. I'll take one that's like been prevalent in most of my life that I think would be very interesting to bring up with anybody. Mm -hmm. And this has been coming up with Adam Phillips. What are we all doing with our anxiety about keeping things clean, Mm -hmm. doing the dishes, putting the dishes away, putting things away, putting things away. So there's something in human mind. So, well, give me, give me just a second. To oh, for a I second. love it. I, I love like your, it. I'm getting good facial expressions that you're giving me permission to go full throttle. I want as people are listening to take this into every situation though. Don't get too hyper-focused on dishes and putting things away. But if you're listening, I imagine this is my fantasy. It's so meta now. I have a fantasy that you guys are all listening and thinking that you mostly like to put things away. Okay. Let me just get my bearings here. So, so generally people have an anxiety about mess. That's a human condition. It seems like generally people like to have things put away. I'm not necessarily one of those people. And there's often conflict about mess and how it gets dealt with. Have you done the dishes? Have you folded your laundry? Had you cleaned your this? Have you done this? Have you swept it? Blah, blah, blah. You have this as a kid growing up with your parents and you have this as family and friends as you live together. And I'd want... I'd want to stop everybody and say, okay, let's say that mess doesn't get cleaned up. <laughs> right. <laughs> let's say the trash doesn't get taken out. Let's say the dishes don't get done tonight. The, to say the fantasy mm-hmm. and to, to start an interesting conversation, to basically loosen up yes. the conversation. Yes. Let's yes. just start by saying, what's going to happen? Right. Well, what's going to happen? That's a great, because I think for many people, a, that's where, I mean, this is where psychologically it it becomes interesting. I, my guess is some catastrophic failure fantasy gets played out. Yeah. Then it will never get cleaned up. Right. Then it will pile up and it will be overwhelming Yeah. and it will never happen. I also, I don't know what this is of the fantasy, but I also think there's something about the way in which we hold our sense of inner world with our outer world. And there's something about, I think there's also a fantasy of if I don't, there could be, I guess for me, cause I'm, I can like, I'm like 50, 50. I'm messy sometimes in yeah. certain ways and then kind of rigid in other areas and yeah. in a, in a slightly ubiquitous, would that be the right word? Ubiquitous meaning it's sort of all everywhere all the time. Uh, all present. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right word. I'm like more like mysterious, mysterious. And like, sometimes it's kind of mysterious what things really matter. But I think that is related to pieces around maybe I'm having images of mirrors and then that's making me wonder narcissism. And it's also making me wonder around like this idea of like, not in a negative way, narcissism, but like the sense of self, Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. the fantasy is that if I don't clean up my clothes or if I have dishes in the dish fork, then that means I'm not doing well. Then that means you're doing it. Yeah. Can I, and then keep going? Sure. Yeah. And then, and then what happens if you're not doing well? And I've accepted it. And then? And then, <laughs> and then I. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> and then that sucks. And then I will fail. And then I'm failing. And then, and then all and then. will go, and then all will go to shit. And then I, and I don't know what to do from that point on. I've lost agency. Cause this is the project. I think, I think sometimes it leads to what death. If somebody goes, you know, I mean, if you keep playing it out and then, and then, and then. I, well, I just don't want it. I just don't want it. Right, right, right. Well, like, I'm like, I, I, I just, I also just. I just don't want it. Oh, 
I don't know if this is how the exercise works, but it's good. I think. Okay, so so can I can I take the 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 mic for a second? We both have mics. You, can I take you, the conch? You you I, I, you just to play with this imagery. So okay, so so one of the things I find to be useful. I mean, you never know if you really unpack the fantasy where it's going to go. Like uh, all sorts of interesting things can happen. But if I said. What if I presented my worst case scenario fantasy? Yes. I don't even know about like mess, but let's say the worst case scenario. Well, let me present something to oh, you. Oh, great. Okay. Okay. You get invited somewhere. Yeah. And you keep being told you can leave. You keep, you keep indicating that you're going to leave and then you keep getting ushered into new places. Right, right. And it's a big party. It's a big party. And I can't get out. You can't get out, yeah. essentially. You you can't, there are people keep talking to you mm-hmm. and it's 11 and you wanted to leave at 10 and someone keeps talking to you. Like, what's the fantasy that happens if you can't get out by 11? Oh, you know? that's great. We're just it's doing getting, the exercise. It's getting past 11 and someone's trying to talk to you and they're wanting to pull you over and you start aggressively beelining it for accident. What's the fantasy if you stay a little longer? Okay, let's let's do it and, and guide me because mm-hmm. I'm I'll just going to follow. I'll try. And you see if you can get to the bottom of it. Okay. Because I don't know what's about to be said. Yeah. But we're doing the exercise. Right. So. Well, numbers- I mean, also, let's just, I'm going to, I'm not thinking there's a bottom of it. Yeah, I mean, death is sort of the main bottom, I feel like. At some point, we all get to death. Yeah, but I don't, I wouldn't, I would be over interpretation. Like, there isn't something like a bottom line of why we feel this way. It's an amalgamation of multiple, probably fantasy, unconscious fantasy things. Okay, well, let's just see. Yeah. So, my first, my first, my first worst case scenario fantasy is utter energy depletion. Okay, so what happens there? Um, I, first of all, I'm having a very bad night. Second of all, I get home later than I wanted. Now I wake up the next day and I'm drained and I can't do anything. So there is where it's And going. then you take a nap. Sure. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's two ways you can do it. At least I would say there's a hundred ways and 10 times more, but like we, you can say, okay, play out the full fantasy and 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 we'll go for the full thing in terms of this party. But if you share the full fantasy and you say, what is it exactly that's causing you so much fear? And you can go, well, if this, then this, then this. And you can go to the very end and you go, well, isn't this helpful? Because, of course, that thing isn't going to happen. That was the thing that was causing you fear or anxiety or frustration or whatever it was, the complicated feelings. And now that you've said it out loud and exposed it, you know that. Now we can be like, you know, that's not going to happen. Right, right. And so I think it's really helpful to go, what's the fantasy? What's the fantasy? And then and then another thing that can happen is you can say the thing and it can be the worst case scenario. And once it's said out loud, you can say, you know what? That might happen. And it might not even be that bad. That wouldn't even be that bad. Right. That's the worst. Right. That's the worst. Right. Like if you said, oh, cleaning the house. Well, then some a friend of mine is going to come over and judge me. And then... Well, then you go to the worst case scenario. Then I'm not going to have any friends and everybody's going to hate me and I'm going to get a terrible reputation and then I'm going to die. Right, right, right. <laughs> but um, if, if, the, if, the, if the worst case scenario fantasy can get said out loud and then you go, well, that wouldn't be that bad. And you're like, that wouldn't even be that bad. What am I worried about? You know, mm-hmm. um, those are some of the useful ways I feel like. I think it's also useful in 
being empathetic and caring toward other people. Oh, right. Oh, like, you're, you're, oh yeah. You've oh, catastrophized it that big. Oh my gosh. Well, no, I, I think that not, yes, that, but also like, what's the fantasy and like, what's the emotions and the feelings around this? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the fantasy? Oh, I'm not going to be able to go home and get my sleep. What's the fantasy when you lose sleep? Oh, that I'm going to feel like I, um, am, you know, like what's the fantasy when you don't lose sleep? Right. Right. Uh, would you, could you, when I do lose sleep? Yeah. When you do lose sleep. (sighs) Well, I mean, in that sense, it's not a fantasy because I, when I do lose sleep, I become very distraught and cranky. And so that's the fantasy. The fantasy is I'll become distraught. I'll become cranky. I'll be, I guess the fantasy would be what happens when I do that. Like, uh, do I lose friends? What's, yeah, what happens when you become distraught and cranky for a night? What's the I fantasy fall, there? Uh, yeah. I f- well, not for the night. Like it sets me up for a bad day the next day. Okay. And so what's the fantasy of having a bad day? I'm going to forget things. You're going to forget things. Okay. And then what's the fantasy around forgetting things? Um, I'm going to not pay my bills or I'm going to miss an appointment or I'm going to let And what's the fantasy if you're someone who doesn't pay their bills and misses appointments? Uh, then I'm judged and I am homeless. Honestly, that's what comes for me. Oftentimes the, the worst case scenario fantasy is I'm, I'm going to die or I'm going to be homeless. Right. Which I think is also <laughs> like a, a team, a, to like a tool for empathy in the sense of, wow, like actually what seems like a small thing, like wanting to make sure you leave a party early. There's a lot of unconscious yeah, phenomenological big it. feelings around it. Like that right there is I won't have shelter community and I won't have a sense of home <laughs> in place. Yeah. So it is actually a really big emotional experience. It is because sometimes I get the sense that it's like crap. If I don't have an exit route, there is a real panic feeling and it's like that can feel so disconnected to, well, it's just leaving your friends, but it's like, well, when you play it out, it's actually that panic is probably connected to this unconscious Right. Fantasy that you'll that that something like this could actually determine right. your whole well being. Yeah. And also it just says something about the two of us that I mean, we haven't really I think one of the fun things about the the way that we're approaching let me go and explain how we approach these episodes, everybody. These are prompts. This is free association. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like I think it's so I didn't know you were gonna say that. We have less we've planned this out less this time these days. And it says something about us that we're wanting to use this concept of fantasy. That doesn't surprise me at all. Now that we're talking about it, that you're wanting to use it as a tool for empathy or not maybe <coughs> empathy, but like um, a tool for better understanding and language of other people. So that way we're no longer, if I can understand that's what's maybe underlying for you, I can understand the stakes and probably be a little more strategic with how I engage with you. Yeah. And it's, sensitive. it's insensitive and, and, and more attuned. Yeah. Wow. I didn't and really realize it was like that for Scott. That's what he's worried yeah, about. Here. And so oh. it's like, it's not like empathy as in like uh maybe empathy is not even the best way to like get in your shoes, but more of like to really, to really have a better, a fuller picture of how complicated it is for that person. Yeah. That's and really then have nice. A fuller picture of how complicated it is for yourself. Like the dishes, like, no, there's a huge fantasy around if I don't have upkeep, Yeah, but getting in touch with that can also help you to be like, well, then clearly the dishes are holding a lot. Yeah. Clearly leaving a, being home on time is holding a lot. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of fantasy being held in these little, like um, almost like nodes. Nodes. I like that. I mean, yeah. So, so 
it's, it's cultivating empathy and sympathy. And also like, I think a, a little bit of what you said is like getting a bigger, stronger, more complex picture of what's actually going on. Mm-hmm, it's not mm-hmm. so simple as, Hey, we're just going to a party. It's like, right. Well, Right. And it's going it might we might be out till 11 or 12. It's like, well, it's there's that means like, something there's to There's lots of fantasy around yeah. it for all kinds of people, you know. So, I guess it's a tool of curiosity that can lead in all sorts of different directions, but again, I guess to, to I guess I was saying to to bottom line it for for listeners, I guess I was mostly using it in my instincts to I wouldn't say just dismiss or circumvent empathy, although there's something probably there. It's, I guess I'm wanting to use it as a tool instinctually. I I don't know if I'm consciously wanting to use it as a tool for this, but like to get people to settle down basically, (laughs) including myself, like, okay, let's play out the worst case scenario fantasy here. It's not that bad. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, great. You know, Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go for a walk. Right. In the, and I think I'm using it to get you to open up that this thing that you're, you're wanting, yeah. that you're, you know, thinking about is actually probably home to a lot more threads of thoughts that are potentially open and could be tapped in through the fantasy around this mm-hmm, piece. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Anyways, I mean, I think asking what the fantasy is, is a very useful tool that especially if applied like sort of playfully and in a wondering state can be really useful for a whole group of people. Well, and I think something that Scott and I have recently been doing is like, what's the fantasy? And then also maybe like, what's the phenomenological experience or like, what's the fantasy could be another way of like, what is going on? That's so we could look at reality and then what we're using to color in the experience. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes something that can be useful is like, what's the fantasy? How big am I to you right now? Right. Like that's a great follow up question with fantasy. Oh, in my fantasy, you're huge and you're standing on something and you feel big and puffy. Oh, that's so helpful that that's your fantasy because my fantasy is that you're this size or you're doing this. And it's like, oh, wow. We're both obviously working with some fantasy life and let's find our reality here. Yeah, yeah. That's great. You know? I guess it's nice to even just have that language around something is happening. What is the line from the books? Oh, something, something is, is happening. We know not what, uh, <laughs> something is happening that of which we don't know what it is or yeah, something, something like that. It's my bio. I should know it. Something <laughs> unknown is ha- unknown is happening. Uh, the knowledge of it. I, I, I have to look it up. I have to look it's it up. It's your own bio, but yeah, it's nice to acknowledge. Something unknown is doing. We don't know what. That is what our knowledge amounts to. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean, literally it. That's what I think what we're talking about right that's now. That's exactly it. Something unknown is happening. We don't know what. That is what our knowledge amounts to. But we can start to wonder what's happening. Yeah. You know? Maybe something is happening where we're not totally tapped into reality because we have a fantasy. So on the one hand, we're saying we have a future fantasy about certain things like a party that's going to go too late or dishes that aren't going to get done. Yeah. And in real time, we have a fantasy of what's happening. Like I, you might be angrier than I think you might be more judging than I think you are. I I have a fantasy that you're judging me. Right. And I go, you you say, no, I'm not judging you. Right. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. And actually my fantasy is saying this and it's like, Oh, well I'm not. And it's like, Oh, well then let's recorrect. You know, I would also add another way of thinking of fantasy is I, cause right now I'm like, it's, 
it's seeming like all fantasies are bad and it's like, it's not, it's just actually information. And I also think it's fun to really wonder, and this is what like, artists way. It's like, if we can neutralize fantasy, if we can see fantasy as actually how we cope, like, uh, yeah. I think fantasy is, it's a part of the way we, our mental activity works. It's how we make sense of things. It's how we process. It's mm-hmm. how we grow. Then you can start to be more open too, of like, what's your fantasy? Like let yourself let's when you start to open it up, it's like, well, what's your fantasy of how you'd want this recording to go? I'll share my fantasy. You share your fantasy. Okay. So now we're at a positive spin. And now we'll positive spin. And also like maybe also neutral. Well, my fantasy is that if we record, then that will also, you know, mean that I'm being successful because I'm back on the mics and I'm, teaching oh, these it. things. So there's that fantasy. And then there's the fantasy of a really good time and all of these things and Dang. a fantasy of specific kinds of bonding that could happen because of doing this. Like there's a, quite a bit of fantasy life wrapped up in it, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, and then there's a fantasy that will finish and we'll be like, wow, can you believe it? Yeah. Yeah. And good, good, good. This is good. And then and then it almost now we're just like in the realm of like manifestation or something like that. Yeah. Like your fantasies and dreams, like, cause I love the way we did this. Like, okay, what did animate us to get on these mics today? It's like, What's well, th- we think if we get on the mics, then we'll get more, we'll, we'll have fun. First of all, we'll have an interesting conversation. We'll upload an episode. We'll get more listeners. And I guess in one realm, it's like, okay, follow all the negative consequences and then you die. Well, and there, there's, <laughs> and what's here. the fantasy if we don't? Well, the fantasy if we don't today is that, well, then we'll get off track and that we won't actually ever get back into flow True. and that we won't get into this and we'll not choose Saturdays and then we won't really know and we'll try a different day. And so there's a big fantasy if we don't. But here's this other piece is, I think this is a, I think this is a quote from someone, but <laughs> this idea like fantasy gives way to reality for good or for ill. Like think about this of like, Oh, I have all this fantasy life around. I mean, even this idea of like, how big do you feel right now? Well, mm-hmm. the fantasy is, I think this person feels really big and we don't address it. Well, fantasy will give way to reality and that person will start to become mm. really big. That's of spooky. Sorts. That spooky. Exactly. Or if, uh, the, I give into, if I, the fantasy is that if we don't record, and that means that then we won't record next week and we'll lose flow and all this stuff. Well, that might give way to reality if I, if that fantasy, I let it be like fantasy gives way to it. So what we do with our fantasy matters, how we yeah. transform our fantasies, how we work with our fantasy is important because fantasy. it will, what? Fantasy. fantasy. It's so big. All these thoughts. Yeah. And I was going to say the end result or the end thing of like where, and then what you record and then what you upload, you get listeners, you post on Instagram. Right. And and then then what? Famous. Right. Which I'm like, I don't want famous. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, where is the end goal for you? We don't even know that. Is the end goal what's happening currently just having a podcast? Um, no, I think the end goal is that we have a podcast. That's also like a collective that has like oh, yeah. a community that's, that's built and, and we, we host really cool events. <laughs> no, we're not famous that we provide for the people who want no, it. Very intentional, robust, intimate, thorough experiences that are more depth rather than big wide audience reach. Right. It's really funny. Cause in a second, we're going to do a segment where we take a look at the famous people that were born today. Yep. 
And it's really interesting. The website I look at has a fame meter. Mm. So I'll just give you a little taste. Yeah. Well, maybe I won't. Don't, don't, don't give me that I won't, taste. I won't give you the taste. Okay. But the first person that's on the list today is a hundred out of a hundred fame meter. Wow. You know, And it's like, I bet every day has a, has a few people that are hundred out of hundred fame yeah. meter, like yeah. uh, the big, the big one. So it's like on this website, there's like a hundred people for that day that are born. And as you go down, it's like less and less fame meter. Yeah. And so there's always going to be a, 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 like three or four big fish. It seems like, yeah. um, but yeah, it's like, I don't want to be hundred out of a hundred famous on the fame meter. Right. That's not, but it would be cool to be known on the scale uh, in like on the website. Like even if it was a five out of a hundred fame meter, like yes. you're in the, you're, you're Look like, I you. wonder, I don't know if Knox and Jamie would be on the fame meter. I don't no, think they would. I don't think so they how would do be you get there. just a little teeny smidgen famous? No, not common. Yeah, I guess I don't have that desire. Maybe in different, for different reasons. Although this could be, I would have the desire to be in the realm of, I want to be famous in the sense of, I want to be like in terms of like child therapy, like (laughs) have written an article that is really useful in, in the, in the realm of child play therapy, your name might come up in some circles and people are like, Oh Yeah. You okay. know, Mace's theory around this is really interesting. This is really good. Have we you are... have you read Mace's paper on oh gosh, uh, feminized like boys and all those pieces, the social pieces around it? Mace has some really interesting querying of object relations in this paper. Dang. Have you heard of? Oh yeah, Mace does a lot of cool work of querying object relations. <laughs> We're really doing real fantasy now. Fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. There's a fantasy of people like passing around. Uh, critique that brings ushers insight and also uh, has honor for the, yeah, I have a big fantasy happening in my brain. Yeah, that's really sweet. I, I think I, I, I have mood board. I, I want to say Anthony Fantano just because that's somebody I've been, I've liked for a long time. I'm, I, I know Anthony Fantano is not the end all be all of anything, but like, he, I, and in terms of my appreciation and appreciation and enjoyment of Anthony Fantano, I'd say I give a solid B, mm-hmm. a light to decent eight. You know, I'm not like, oh, Anthony Fantano, but, but I'm he's like, consistent and yeah. known in the person that is referenced in the category of music reviews. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't even know what, I, I guess, I don't know what our niche is. I want to be, I also want my fantasy with no small thing is that we host really cool artsy events that are known around town and known around places of like, Oh yeah, no small thing. They make those really cool graphic tees. They've got that podcast. They host those live events that are like artistic and strange and weird and make you think. Well, I guess now we're in the realm of (laughs) now this episode is about fame. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's just for you. This episode is famous. You were the one who, no, but but, but now we have to define, what famous means because like i'm talking about like on the one hand not even being on the fame i want to be <laughs> this is so stupid i want to be i want to be on this website of like born this day and 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 just creeped crept into the meter like two I, like if you're if you're a two like all these people that have ever been born you're just worth mentioning on this website we but you're at the go, bottom we need to go and but look like, at a two today and look them up and see like what they're famous for well really these are people that are not household names but but you you are saying truthfully and factually a certain type of fame right i mean that, like locally famous yeah. locally known yeah. and that's nice yeah 
Yeah, locally known. I mean, let's take the word fame out. Within a certain kind of community to be kind of acknowledged, known, known, acknowledged kind of like, oh yeah, in the, in the kind of the realm of quasi-artistic, psychoanalytic spirituality, people who are trying to have conversations in new and cool and exciting ways and do it in less of a cognitive, capitalistic way, but more of an artistic, open-ended, collective <laughs> kind of way. I huh. want to be known and that's known good. I'm, that. a, I'm on board with that. I want to be known for that too. That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, man, I feel like we, we just got really lost in the should sauce. Should we spin that motherfucking wheel? Well, <laughs> well, do you want, I feel like we're going to end with a little toe dip in pH. I don't know. We need to end in the toe dip in pH. Well, can I, can I share how I think of it for the time being and see yes. if you vibe with it? So if it's unconscious, mm-hmm. unconscious fantasies, mm-hmm. things that are going on, mm-hmm. I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't know if it is wrong, because mm-hmm. this is what I'm going to say of Scott's current engagement with the concept of pH fantasy. I love it. Things that are in our unconscious. So this is why it might be helpful to have a therapist who believes in this stuff, acknowledges it, understands it, and sees that everybody. Okay. I have so much to say. So I'm, This is a toe dip. What I understand in terms of the use of psychoanalysis and therapy is mostly we don't have the ability to, with our own brains, shine a light on our unconscious. We can't just say, I'd like to take a look at my unconscious today. There it is. Boop, boop, boop. Oh, I would disagree. I think okay. it's I think it's shared. I think we do have. I think we have things like dreams, fantasy life. I think we could have things like journaling. I think okay. we have art. I think we have many ways. So it's not black and white like I that. would say that but there's... But it's challenging. Yes, and it's I would hard. say like you look at a painting someone makes and there's probably all kinds of fantasy in the painting. Okay. PH fantasy. PH fantasy. So it's not like we're utterly incapable. Right. But we're tricky tricksters. And I think sometimes we don't want to see the unconscious. And I would say that when we're infants, yeah. we don't have that apparatus. Okay. Okay. For converting fantasy or something like when we're really young, we don't have it. We literally need caretakers to help digest our instinctual experiences yeah. and help them make sense of it. So yes, I would say there is also a part of us that still has infancy parts Yeah. or, you know, that, that piece that is still, yeah, like it's undigestible. You need something to help you digest it. Great. And you, hopefully you have created an apparatus in yourself, but often therapists are there to help bolster Cre- that or create the apparatus. apparatus. Okay. Does that make so sense? That makes, well, as much as I know. And I could be wrong. Sense. So come at me if you're a therapist <laughs> and disagree. No, I think you're right. <laughs> I mean, everyone's different, has different ways of thinking around well, it. Well, I said it too extremely. I, I, so I would say just now that I correct it and say generally we're not, I, I, I'm going to say it for me. You might disagree. Uh-huh. Generally, it doesn't seem as if we're that great at finding the unconscious through these things, although we are capable. Yeah. So that, which is why you might need a therapist. Yeah. And so Freudian slip would be a Freudian slip in or free associating. If you free associate, maybe what happens is, is you've already developed too strong of interpretive channels. So you already know what you're saying, but you don't know what you're saying. So, so the fantasy pH could start to get acknowledged and have a light shown on it by a third party, a third party. I don't know who mm-hmm. a second party, uh, another person 
with fresh eyes mm-hmm. who's starting to notice themes and patterns that you've never noticed before as you let yourself talk. Right, right, right. It's like uh, you show up late every single time and you say, well, I really value this time. I really love this time. I'm so sorry I'm late. I'm so sorry. I can't believe it. I'm flustered every time yeah. I'm late. And it's like, sure, that's probably totally true. And there may be an unconscious fantasy that you're scared of what's happening yeah. in therapy and you really do want to be late. Yeah. And you really, and do you have a desire to be late and you have a desire to remind the therapist that you actually can be late and are in control. One thing that I heard, and maybe this, I think I've said this, this analogy, to, it's like a parable that Peter Rollins told one time that, always stays in my head. And I think it has it a little bit to do with pH, hmm. but yeah, I think you really know a little bit more about pH. Well, but I think me. I like, I want to go back like five minutes ago. I said something and I'm like, what do I know? I'm a, I don't know, a therapist. I'm like, I don't know. I felt like I was a little bit also just shooting from the hip around like me developing my theoretical mind. Great. It's still all being, it's, it's very pro- in process for me. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So <laughs> I think I, one of the little parables I heard was that this guy, it's, don't worry about where this is happening in time is trying to smuggle something across a border with these wheelbarrows. So he, he the, these people are like, he's somehow getting something through word gets starts spreading to these guards that are guarding this border that this guy is smuggling this illegal stuff in. And here he comes, Mr. Wheelbarrow guy. And they're like, Oh my gosh. So we start extra checks, checking everything in the wheelbarrow up and down all of the secret panels and stuff. They can't find anything. They're like, we know he's smuggling something illegal. in. what is he smuggling in? What is he smuggling in? And, uh, they keep coming up short. And so then one night, one of the guards sees him in a bar and he was like, Hey, like, can you just level with me? We've been really trying to check and what have you been smuggling in? And he goes, wheelbarrows. <laughs> and he, he, he like he it's in the yeah. the idea was that your unconscious fantasies ph are on the surface of your everyday speech you're just right. not noticing right them. it's just right there it's, it's getting right past the guards right. which would be yourself really yeah yeah it's wheelbarrows that's that's interesting yeah so it so i i'm sure there's something happening on the surface of my everyday speech that if somebody was really paying attention they'd be like this is a theme that keeps emerging that Scott, keep, I, I don't even notice, but I don't even notice, you know, somebody would have to be like, do you notice that you've done this a lot? And I'm like, mm-hmm. Whoa, mm-hmm. really? Right. I mean, that's like, uh, I wouldn't do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. No, exactly. And, and it's everybody, like, this you is a phrase you I say, say that all the time. I wouldn't do it that way. Like yeah. what's, Something's happening. Something's happening there. Yeah. We get it. You wouldn't do it that way, but like other people do things differently than you. <laughs> Newsflash. Yeah, yeah. Is there some sort of pH fantasy that every that your way is right, or or that still so hasn't hasn't come to terms with the idea that people do things that there's a way to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, let's man. spin the wheel. I, I'm I'm okay. I'm ready. Okay, spin the wheel. Okay, everybody, new segment. Yeah. Um, it's um, I have a wheel of color here. Mesa's made themselves a wheel. <laughs> it's I spin the wheel and we talk about the color. Um, it's a really big range. Um, this was inspired by Danny Brown. I realize, is this mic on? Yeah. I want to hear the sounds of this. You feel ready to move on? Yeah. Okay, great. Wow. What's going to happen here? This is a cool idea. Wow. There it is. Everybody, Mace has been assigned forest green. Forest green. Okay. 
Now, I think there's kind of almost two shades of forest green, although I don't know what the purest one would be. There's like evergreen forest green, and then there's a more brownie forest green. Would evergreen you call, and brownie. What would you call the, the sweater you're wearing right now? Between those two? Or just what, what color would you just plainly have called that? Moss green. Moss green. <laughs> okay, what's the difference between forest green and moss green to you? Um, I, I do think forest green implies darker, darker, Let me look up a this. picture. How do you feel about forest green? Oh, this was supposed to be your free association. <laughs> no, I think it's us sharing it. No, no, no. Because the whole point is I am not interested in color. Like you are, I like, I, you, I don't have much to say about color and it's happening now. You're putting me on the spot. You did this last week. Keep going. I'm like, I don't have anything more to say on it. Right. I guess I thought this segment was going to be helping you to be more curious about color. Maybe as I listen to you talk about it, but I, I can't, I can't fabricate more thoughts on something. So my curiosity would be listening to you. Okay. <laughs> Forest screen. <laughs> Are you stuck? <laughs> I, no. when, I, when I think of these colors, I just think of crayons. I feel really, when, when you and I talk about colors, mm-hmm. I don't see it like you do. Like I like colors. Um, I don't, I don't so get invested in the nuance. I don't have as much of an emotional reaction as you do. It's true. I like colors. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, here's, I'll just get right into forest green then. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Yeah, all right. That's why I'm going to get right into forest green. <laughs> whatever. I'll I think it. of Crayola crayons. I, all I can yeah, picture is getting the, fo- f- the forest green Crayola crayon and coloring some pictures. Then and then what? It green. There isn't much more after that. Well, I think forest green, I would say forest green's a, a beautiful color, a okay. top color, I would say. Green's in the top range of colors for me. And I would say I prefer a forest green personally over something like a sage green, like okay. you're describing something. Of oh, so I was more, describing sage green. Not, I guess so. Like moss green. Oh yeah, I guess moss green. That works for me. (laughs) Let me look up what moss green is. I mean, I'm looking it up right now and it's interesting. Like forest green, it's darker, but there's also a lot of options here. This is how I feel sometimes when you're doing like wine tasting and people are like, what are you tasting? And some people like, I, I, there's a, there's some minerals, there's some dust, there's some licorice, there's some mint. And I'm like, how are you tasting all that? Like when I look at these colors for forest green, I'm like, is, is it have like some bluish hues in it? Is it, I know I would say it leans more towards bluish as dark. opposed to yellow. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Think yeah. That's yeah, what yeah, you're yeah. Naming here with the, um, what did you say? Moss green. Moss green. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to describe my sweatshirt here. Yeah. yeah. There, that, that's kind of what this is, right? right. I, I, no, I, I, you I did, did a great well. job with yeah. that. You did a great <laughs> job with that. Um, um, and, th- and then here's the thing is I don't have a preference. I, I, oh, you don't green have for a some, preference. Moss green for something else. Uh, I would, I would nine times out of 10 be picking forest green over moss green. Well, I guess it just depends because if you're saying a car, what are we doing? Because for a sweatshirt, this, right. I don't want any darker green than this. This is almost in the, you correct me if I'm wrong, but wouldn't you agree? This is sort of in the realm of like fatigues army. Like sure, the, army like green, army green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, that's nice. I like that color. Like if we're literally thinking about like literal like army. Yeah, pants. you know what's interesting because I actually I have quite a bit of clothes that are that right. color, and I have less that are this forest green. But I think like paint wise, or just purely based on like what color is more beautiful and brilliant, yeah. I would say to me, forest green feels fresher cleaner mm, brighter okay, even okay. though it's dark it still feels that. brighter for some reason yeah no i um, like all that 
Great. I don't know if we're to all of a sudden we got into a discussion about <laughs> the validity of moss green and forestry. <gasps> I know. Well, these are just prompts. These are just prompts. We're still figuring out. Spin the wheel. Forests. I like forests. Uh, I like that it would allude or be a reference point to something that would be a forest. But of course, forests are not the color of forest green. Uh, right. Well, and that's an interesting thing of like we look when you look up forest green, it has all these different shades of green. And like the Pantone forest green is a pretty light green. So, <sighs> forest green. Okay, I'm going to spin one more color. Oh, Because this one was kind of medium. <laughs> oh, we're figuring this out. Oh, multiple spins. Let's get that sound. The wheel is spinning, everybody. Maybe it's just going to be more exciting to see what the wheel gives us. Dun, dun, dun. Neon orange. You do love it. I you love, love it. neon orange. Yeah. I love neon orange. That's one of my favorite colors. You kind ever. of have a little neon orange right now. I do in this jacket. I'm considering for my fall color it being neon orange. Yeah. If I did neon yellow for the summer and then neon orange in the fall. Wow. Neon anything is going to be pretty fun. I like neon. You like neon cool. Yeah. I also like neon. I think it has 80s references to me. It mm-hmm. feels 80s. There's a lot mm-hmm. of neon and... Yeah. Glowy. Yeah. I don't know what it is about it. I mean, obviously it just makes something feel more special. I love a neon color with a muted pastel. There's nothing quite like that for me. That wow. is a beautiful combination. Neon, a neon color, color with, with a, a muted, pastel. muted pastel. It's like a contrast. That's also somehow like an anti-contrast. Yeah. I guess, I guess would it, would it kind of go with something you tried to create with no small thing with it was like neon yellow with, with that periwinkle. Yeah, yeah exactly. Periwinkle. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That yeah, is yeah. a cool vibe. That's a vibe. I really enjoy. That's really unique. And I don't have a nostalgia reference for that. No, I agree. So, like, it's kind that's of unique. like a, there's something about it. Like I said, it's a contrast, but it's like a odd contrast, mm-hmm. but it still is playing into some kind of contrast there. Do you have any sort of immediate association with neon orange? Does anything go, Ooh, neon orange first thought comes in my head for I mean, some reason. Most of my paintings. Yeah, I that's use true. a lot of neon orange in my paintings. So I immediately just start associating like right there. There's four of the five paintings I'm looking at right now have neon orange. This isn't neon orange, but the first thing that came to my head was orange sherbet, but Ooh, delicious, cream. delicious. But that's not neon orange. That's a different kind of orange. And I do not like that kind of yeah. orange very much. What about like Cheetos? That's kind of a neon orange. orange. Yeah, it kind of yeah, gets it into totally that totally gets neon into that orange. zone. But for me, I would associate neon colors also with just like a sense of like, um, I don't know, glowing. Yeah. So neon yeah. orange, it yeah. just feels like embers, like fire, like uh, the end of a fire. Yeah, that's you know, good. The, the neon orange in there, I'm like, ooh, chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. I got just like a bunch of 80s glowy aesthetics references in my head, but I don't even know exactly what I'm talking about that, but yeah. I think we did spin we the did. wheel really well. <laughs> All right, you want to know about the famous people? What are the famous people? Here comes our other little segment, everybody. We might have spent too much time on fantasy, but I think we did. I was like, I don't know how to make it short, actually. We have to have a little bit more. Um, I think we did great. Uh, what, discipline? I don't really want to have discipline no, we don't in my need podcast, that. though. Um, we, we started a little later today than we were expecting. Yeah, okay. Folks. So, <laughs> famous people. Today's big one, the big kahuna, the big kahuna. is Elton John. Wow. But, uh, but actually, let me take that back because right there, right in this, okay, the fame meter, this is kind of weird. And I got to say, I don't know this website, everybody, but it's like a little racist all of a sudden. Oh no, Scott. It's Not literally. It's they're They're not putting, I, listen, hold on a second. I have no idea. <laughs> what this website is. I just, it, it's famous birthdays <laughs> and, uh, it's Elton John. Number one. Yeah. 100 out of 100 uh-huh. fame. Uh-huh. But right below that is Aretha Franklin. And it's f- 
45 out of 100 fame. Wow, that's a really... I, mean, like, I, mean, I don't know if that's like a global thing because like Elton John's How British. are they measuring fame, I guess, right. is what you're wondering. I mean, when here. you look at it, when you look at it, you're like, yeah, I suppose on the fame meter, like way down the list is Flannery O'Connor, who's a famous writer. That's a great like. person to talk about. 11 I mean, out of 100 fame meters. Wow, so, like, so you're wanting to get on this fame meter and, and Flannery O'Connor's only in 11? Yeah, and then Big Sean is a rapper that I medium enjoy and Big Sean is 11 out of 100 fame meter. So at on the same level as Flannery O'Connor. Right, and would you say Flannery O'Connor should be above that? But listen to this even. According to this weird website, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker is also born this day and is a 9 out of 100 fame. Whoa, Dang. whoa, whoa. So, Very whoa, interesting these, meter. I mean, I guess Sarah Jessica Parker would be lower than... Aretha Franklin. Yes. But I would imagine fame meter higher than Flannery O'Connor. And higher than Sean C. Sean. No, no, not Sean C. Uh, Big Sean. Big Sean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These are rappers. And I'll just say, I don't want to go through every name on here, but I'll, I'll say one more would be worth mentioning for me. And that's Juvenile, the rapper. Okay. Who used to be part of Cash Money Millionaires and still is. Let me and, look. Well, there's not even a picture. No, but of the, on the, of the oh, list. Oh, you are. Well, there's not given enough to talk to me. about. I don't, I don't know if you're going to know anybody else. They're all like sort of antiquated Victorian era type kings and queens and stuff. So kings and queens. I mean, do we want to, do we want to deep dive Elton John, Elton John, or say anything that comes up about quick pass at Elton John, quick pass at Aretha Franklin, quick pass at Flannery O'Connor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is pretty wild. Aretha Franklin. Uh, number two, if Elton I go, John. If I go all big on all those, whatever that means, all big. Uh, for some reason, juvenile is the person that tell comes me. Up. Tell me about juvenile. Well, juvenile is the one that said uh, juvenile is that person that did back that ass up. You know, okay, going to back that ass up. Is it a girl who are you playing with? Back that ass up. It was like a huge hit in my college years. Okay, okay, huge hit and. Uh, still to this day would be a huge hit and um, for, is from New Orleans and was part of Cash Money Millionaires, which is what Lil Wayne was uh, on the label of Cash Money Millionaires. And if I was talking with another hip-hop head rap fan, I could go really all in on Cash Money Millionaires right now. <laughs> we could talk about Birdman. Oh, yeah, Man. Cash Money Millionaires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, so run away from juvenile because you don't have anything to say about that. Well, and I mean it's interesting because there aren't many people on this list. I like I really don't have much to say about Elton John, honestly. I, I what's your? What, do you have any? Do you know any Elton yeah, John? Yeah, Lucy, this guy with diamonds. Is that Elton John? <laughs> That's him. Lucy and is the it not? Sky with diamonds. It's him, right? I'll give you one other guess. At who is it? It's not him. It's not. Dang it. Lucy in the sky with diamonds. No. Picture yourself on a boat uh, on no. a river. I thought it was Elton John. Da, 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 da. Do you have another guess? Of who sings that song? Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> Everybody else is Give me an addition of uh, initial of what their name starts with. Uh, well, just, I mean, honestly, just, well, it's B. <laughs> <laughs> This is great. It's too easy that it, now it's now it's become a problem because now we're overthinking it. Okay. It's the Beatles. Okay. I thought it was. Yeah. I, I was thinking it was Paul McCartney, maybe. Paul McCartney. But right, is right, it right. the Beatles Beatles? The Beatles Beatles. Are you sure? Yes. I'm <laughs> looking it up. Okay. Gosh. <laughs> well, Mace is looking that up. I would say the first song that comes to my head when I think of Elton John is Yellow Brick Road. 
So come on, yellow brick road. Okay, but Elton John has a version. Of Lucy in the Sky of Diamonds? Really? Okay. All right, you win. Elton John. Elton John had a version. Who came out with it first? (laughs) The Beatles. (laughs) The Beatles. I mean, it had. it's an original Beatles song. So it has to be like John Lennon and Paul McCartney. But <laughs> I could be wrong. I'm always, this is a curiosity podcast. I don't want to be certain about the Beatles. What if Elton John did write that and, and the Beatles did a cover? I guess age wise, it wouldn't be that outlandish. Does it say who Lucy in the sky of diamonds? I'm trying to figure it out here. It's both of them are coming up of. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Saturday night's all right, all right, all right. That's how their song goes? No, it's another Elton John song. Oh. Now I'm just doing Elton John songs. And I can do, and you can tell everybody this is your song. It may be quite simple, but. <laughs> okay, it is originally. It's, it's done. originally by it's the Beatles. I hope you don't mind. I hope you, you don't, don't mind. mind. I put down into words. Okay, well, I'm at least somewhat vindicated that he did do a cover of it. Yeah. And that's my first Elton John Get song. That vindication. Was Losing the Sky with Diamonds. And it was introduced to me by my teacher when we were learning okay. about uh, in like. What? History, archaeology, when we were learning about like the first human bones, and there's one named Lucy. Oh, and it's the song, I guess, is na- is maybe referencing that, or I don't know, but we <laughs> listened to this song in class, and it was the Elton John version for sure. Wow, so that's well, my association. We, we just approached this whole thing with curiosity, and we learned a lot. <laughs> we learned a lot. I, I mean, Aretha Franklin, also major, major props. I, I think, uh, is in the conversation for best singer ever. Like I think Rolling Stone just did a 500 best. They did like ever. way too many and yeah. left out so many. And I think Whitney Houston was number one according to them, but I think Aretha Franklin was number two. Wow. So is in the conversation for best. I mean, iconic. Yeah, that's interesting so. to have her dropped low. Uh, Flannery O'Connor, I would say, is the person who I have the most. Like I've her work, read her work. Yeah. Was very like whoa. You know, when I read her work in high school, I was like very much like love Flannery O'Connor. It was eye opening. I would say sorts. Flannery O'Connor is one of those people that I would say, okay, if it's Christianity, if we're doing Christianity, mm-hmm. let's do it like this. Yeah, meaning like somebody. I don't know. I don't know how serious of a Christian Flannery O'Connor was. I have no idea. But like wrote as a Christian. Yeah. But and wrote about Christian themes. Yeah. Uh, and. I think we had a conversation about um, this before, but had a style that um, would be called Gothic, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. really some of her, some of her short stories are some of the most profound things I've ever read. You know, I was just re-listening to, uh, what's it called? S-Town. Oh yeah. Gothic. Gothic. Yes. And that has a similar kind of, there's something, (laughs) shit town. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, boy. Ooh, Ooh boy. boy. Uh, okay. Well, uh, do you want to say anything about Sarah Jessica Parker? <laughs> no. Do you want to say anything about Big Sean? No. Do you know anything about Big Sean? No. Do you want uh, to say things about Sarah oh, Jessica Parker and Big Sean? No, I'm, I don't have much to say about Sarah Jessica Parker. My associations are Sex in the City and then that witch movie. She played the, the witches. That They just came out with a part two. It's like a Halloween witch movie with Bette Midler. Bewitched? Spooky? Oh, um, what is it? Uh, Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. She was in that. I didn't know that. She was one of the main witches. Oh. 
Yeah. I've never seen Hocus Pocus. Oh, oh, okay. You just sound so confident. <laughs> never seen Hocus Pocus. <laughs> never seen it. And then Big Sean is part of Good Music, which is Kanye's label. And he's 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 been off and on good rapper. When he first came out, he was really great. And then he kind of just petered out. And he hasn't done much since. But like, that's Big Sean. Scott's going to maybe make a rap podcast. <sighs> it would be so fun. It's the thing I'd want to talk most about. Okay, folks. All right, we did it. We're going to have Ruben come on and talk about art, I believe. Our final segment is with Ruben. Get ready to hear some Ruvenations. Here we are with Ruben, everybody. So today, we all have mics. We, we all, all have, have mics. mics. So today, this is more of a... <laughs> I'm going to be out of town next week for a conference, and uh, I have to cancel one class. Uh, so this is a little bit of a <laughs> preparation. Scott's going to help me record this lecture yeah. because we have this nice podcast uh, technology. Uh, so this is a little bit of a dry run. Okay, dry but run. Not a full lecture. Not a full lecture. No, no. I'm just, I'm just, I just, I just like to. Actually, this could be sort of like an extension of our Marxist meditation. Okay, great. Beautiful. Uh, Marxist meditation part two. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be saying kind of phrases like in in the Marxist view. Of course, this is my Marxist view. So yeah. it's it's you know it shouldn't be generalized, right? But one of the things... We really are having Marxism with Ruben yeah. as yeah. our... So Marxism <laughs> with Ruben. Well, uh, you know, something that's that's fun when we take sort of like a Marxist lens uh, to look at as a category of art, something like art, is first we have to acknowledge that art is not an eternal category. You know, it is not something that has never changed. Hmm. It's not something that has always existed in the way that we existed, which means that, you know, one day... There will be no art the way we understand it. Hmm. Our understanding of art will change. Wow. Um, which like the I, concept of art or the art that we engage with? Well, the concept of art, yeah. right? And this is, this is how, like, uh, because if, if, if uh, I'm having my students read this kind of, like, short essay on the history of what the word art means. Wow. Right? It's very okay. short uh, by, by Raymond Williams, who's a British Marxist and sort of, like, cultural historian, also a novelist. But he what he notices that uh, that that the older meaning of art actually refers to mostly just the idea of skill, hmm. right? So it, it it means something specific. It means it, like craftsmanship craft, or something. Craftsmanship yeah. uh, of a set of techniques. It's 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 practical. Yeah. Right. So an artist is someone who makes a chair, or makes a table, makes a table. You know, makes shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, so and we we see a survival of this sense in the sense of in the word artisan, mm, right? Right. Right. Uh, we think of uh, artisanal when we artisanal bread. Yeah. Is bread that is not that is produced sort of uh, by like an individual person, mm-hmm. like in a small mm-hmm. batch, not mass processed. Right. So first of all, we already see that there is a sense of the word art in, that is not understood to be common anymore. When we think of art now, we usually don't think of craft labor, hmm. right? So, or, uh, you know, art used to have something to do with the muses, right? So, so you know, it, it's, it has some, some religious connotation, hmm. right? Religious connotation. Right, that's kind of, it's another mm-hmm. way art. Art is part of a ritual, 
right? Uh, you know, you go to kind of like a, a famous church in some city in Europe, you know, art is a part of it, right? But we kind of like, that's, that's, that's not the, the dominant understanding of, 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 of art anymore. So obviously things have, have changed, yeah. right? What we used to think of art is not the same as the way we think of art now. I mean, the, the religious thing is even interesting. I mean, we mentioned Wagner last week, but, <laughs> but, but I mean, the idea that art offers some kind of like consolation in a world where, where there is no like divine and, you know, truth anymore. Yeah. Right? That's a pretty uh, big break from the idea of art as a way of communicating with the divine. Right now, art is sort of like a compensation for the absence of the divine. Mm, dang, yeah. we're already doing like uh, overinterpretation with art. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, so change, so change has happened, but change is not something that is arbitrary. This is also a Marxist view, mm-hmm. right? A change. Smirks. Right. This is also there a is, Marxist. <laughs> there is a tendency, uh, a, a special, uh, a special direction, right? So. Uh, that uh, the the meaning of art has become more specialized, right? Uh, it, it it became separate from all those earlier hmm. associations. Art is no longer uh, making shoes, no longer producing, uh, you know, like these sort of like basic necessities, uh, because uh, and this happened according to this guy Raymond Williams guy between the 1600s and the 1800s, so between the 17th and the 19th century having sort of consolidated in the late 18th Hmm. and the 19th century. So by the 19th century, art already had this connotation uh, of as a special realm, a realm that is apart from everyday work. Hmm. Yeah. But, uh, and what William wants us to hear is that in this word special, in the specialness of art, you need to hear the echo of the word specialized. Okay. Okay. Right. Um, okay. You know the song by Sophia Kennedy, "Being Special." Yes. Oh, it yeah. has a refer- re- refrain that goes, uh, "Being lonely makes you special." Yeah. Being, Being special, special makes, makes you lonely, lonely too. too. Right. <laughs> so art became special, and in doing so, it became lonely. Wow. Jeez. Mm. It no longer has the company of its old friends. Right. No more muses. No longer kind of like uh, you know the production huh. of Im- immediate needs. It it no longer resides in the hands. It now resides in the brain, in the mind. Wow. Right? It, I mean, art now becomes right. art, an, a sensibility, a temperament, a mind. Someone mm-hmm. has an artistic sensibility. Someone has an artistic judgment. Someone has a taste. Hmm. So art no longer becomes practical. It becomes con- contemplative. Hmm. Right? So that uh, being artistic now is sort of a category of reception. Hmm. Right? Being artistic is to sort of like be able to have a specific reaction to art. To, to kind of art, right? So art now becomes a compensation, right? The, you know, it becomes a compensation for the drudgery of everyday life, of doing labor. Make art not war. Yeah, so, yeah. Do you say war or work? Make art not war. Isn't not that, that's war. like a common phrase. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Art, I don't know what you not do with war. that. I mean, art has been put in the service of war. I mean, true. Wagner would be a, <laughs> another. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's just an example for everything. <laughs> right. But I think a lot of people say, don't fight each other, make art about it. Make art about it, yeah. It's, uh, like, it's, it's like the cliche thing in Sunday school, if you don't know the answer, just say Jesus. Mm-hmm. And now we're creating this world where just say Wagner. Wagner. It's, it's no, the right I'm answer not, for I'm it. not in that yeah. world. <laughs> <laughs> the other day, yesterday, Ruben said, in this house, we separate artists from the art. And I said, 
Not no. this person in this house. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't believe that completely. But, I mean, <laughs> there are always. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. That was just sort of like a. That would be a whole a no small thing. Art separating art from the artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the yeah. complexity of both. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, back to your lecture, Ruben. Yeah, back to, to, to my lecture. So art <laughs> now becomes sort of... I mean, you, you get see this reflected in the ideal of, like, you know, an artist. An artist is, like, someone who is a an artist, mm-hmm. right? Lonely, wandering, romantic artist. Mm-hmm. So we really have all these tropes about art as, like, really a special do. aesthetic realm that is unique and individual as opposed to... We're uh, reading the artist's way. Yeah, currently. I mean, this is not, like... This is kind of like a common view, right, of art, and we really, uh, for according to Williams, at least, this this is a reaction against uh, like the industrial capitalism. Hmm. So, right, art became this. It's a defensive specialization. That's the that's a word that he hmm. used. Hmm. Right. So, and it becomes other. Oh, things. Oh, like I'll make something that can't be mass produced. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's going to be so special, your machines can't make it, and yeah. it has to be special. It's less about practical exactly. and more about it being something you can't exactly. reproduce. Exactly. But of course, the irony of that, the ironical twist, is that 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 becomes a market value, right? Artisanal labor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The reason why if you go to Taco Bell, you get food for only like for cheap than if you go to Canlis. Right. Right. Yep. Is the idea that like there's something special and unique in the Canlis food. Mm-hmm. Right, and that, uh, and but you only get that by paying a huge amount of money. Right, right. So uh, the twist is that we th- we then try to make up for like our commodification, you know, our uh, industrialization by kind of creating something that's personal. But that personal thing then, in a dialectical twist, becomes a marketable commodity in itself. Ooh boy, ooh boy. So uh, I mean, uh, I. I that's sort of like what uh, what uh, what what is what is interesting, right? So that art now becomes uh, this kind of thing that that is separate from 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 our life, right? And but it, but it it but in the beginning it wasn't separate, mm-hmm. right? And of course, uh, and of course, uh, being sort of uh, like I said last week, right? Marxism is something that is anti-nostalgic, right? What we can't, I mean. One way we've tried to compensate it by doing artisan labor, like I said, became sort of like a sort 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 of like a market value. Yeah, market value, right? So now the question is like of, of, that I want to post to my students, right? Is then, then, then what is art? What 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 it mean? What does it mean right now to to make art? Yeah, right. What does it mean to um, to is 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 everything just a commodity at the end of the day? Right, right, right. It's right. a Picasso. Uh, Ha, does Picasso have value just because it fetches millions of dollars on the art market, right? And is is you know so you know these are questions that I, I mean the the title of this class is arguing with art. Hmm. Wow, and, what a fun class this probably is! Yeah, I've got a title. Yeah, yeah. and I want them to. It, it's, it's actually not about art. It's actually about art criticism. Mm-hmm. So we'll so we'll be sort of at the end of the day. I want them to sort of like produce a, a piece of, of, of art of criticism. Art criticism. Well, yeah. isn't it was there's like an Adam Phillips quote that's like uh, the art critics are actually the artists or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that is interesting because the the, no, the even the notion that you have an art critic, yeah, already implies specialization. Right, right, right. right because right. back then, you know, let's let's back then when it's just people making chairs, right? If you want to 
evaluate how good your chair is, you get another person who makes chairs. That right. doesn't happen anymore. We don't, right? We get a special mm. class of art critics who right. somehow, who pro- pro- professional users, yeah. professional feelers. Yeah. 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 Uh, Perf- but, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, well, and uh, critics are also typically writers. Writers. In, yeah. in that sense, there's also an art, an art, an to, art to their criticism. Like their yeah. criticism. Well, I was saying something too that like um, maybe it seems like our artists in general, and I, I don't want to, are you done with your lecture? I have one last okay, point. One last point. <laughs> Let me just say this and then I'd like to hear your thoughts, but like it seems as if there obviously isn't a one take from a, a community called artists on critics. Like I'm sure all, every artist has their own relationship with critics, mm-hmm. but it seems like one of the really nice things for an artist is they get so immersed in their creation they don't even quite know what to make of it anymore. And they just put it out there and a mm. critic can say, mm-hmm. let me interpret this. And, and then the artist could be, could be a be collective like, way. Yeah. The artist could go, wow, you. I didn't really, mm. I didn't, I'm so glad they got that out of it. Oh, I didn't really know. Like I, I've heard artists, musicians, especially when they read mm. a good critic, mm-hmm. uh, just say, I, I, I loved reading this. I love hearing what this person got out of it. And mean, back to our previous conversation around like unconscious fantasy mm. or un- just the unconscious, like there's so many things probably laced with an art. Yeah. That, now uh, in the worst, I don't know about worst, but like, I know Dave Bazan has written a lot about and sung a lot about critics. Like mm-hmm. as if you have a right because you didn't take the risk of creating this. So why you just get to sit over there and criticize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I don't know if that's nobody's yeah. trying to like. That implies that art, art criticism isn't an art in itself. Yes. Right, right. Right, yeah. exactly. Which but, is a public thing. But the, it, get to the point. You know, the, the, this is my last point, right? Uh, this is my I'm last like, point. I have a point. <laughs> but you, you brought an impor- important, uh, brought up an important thing because at the end of the day, the idea that art is just individual expression is an idea. It's yes. an ideology. Yes. True. There is no art that is not social. Yeah. Right. You know? I would agree. And mm-hmm. art that's not, I mean, there's a part of me, like a spiritual part of me that's like, there's no art that's not like always so influenced mm-hmm. by yeah. all the things around us. Yeah. That yeah. it's like to, to claim it as your own is is just kind of it's fantasy. Yeah, this would be one angle to the artist's art separation thing. Mm. Yeah. Right? But the 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 Marxist method would always say, right, that the, the that everything is understandable only through the method of totality, by taking everything into account. Okay. Right. So Marx will not say that some people th- think that like the kind of academic position is then to defend the separateness of art, right? To say mm-hmm. that kind of like, well, we, we, we used to have good art, great art, right? We used to have Ulysses, you have to Wasteland, we used to have the Wagner operas, right, right. but now we have shallow things, yeah. right? We have like, like, I Do don't we? know. I feel like we well, have great things now. Well, well yeah, but you know, some people make the kind YouTube, of like, but, TikTok, right? Rap. Well, yeah, people <laughs> would be kind of like, well, that's not art or anything. Yeah. But, if, but the nice thing about the Marxist view is that you do not, the totality is presupposed from the beginning. Okay. Right. So uh, for Marx, right, in this moment where people sort of kind of like lament the kind of like the crisis of art or anything, crisis in the bourgeois sense is a disintegration. Mm. Right? We say crisis of the family, right? You used to have father, mother, son, daughter, dog. Right. This is a now, crisis of the family. Right. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Now disintegrates. So crisis reveals the disintegration of a, of a of an organic unity, but the Marxist definition of crisis is the opposite. Crisis reveals the dependency of everything. 
Mm. Woo. Mm. It is, right? I mean, take the Silicon Valley bank. Yeah. Right? It's a, just one fucking bank and suddenly everything goes spiraling down with it. So crisis is not disintegration. Crisis is just a revealing of... Of the innate unity of all these things. Yeah. Right? So yeah. the, the Marxist view of art is not, not to say that like we used to have art, right? Back when people were still hammering out chairs and now we don't have anymore. No, no. It's, it's still... Look forward. There's no going back to the past. Ooh, that's always. Really good. It's always looking forward. No going yeah. back to the past. I mean, you have to study history because that's where you are right now. Yeah. But there's no nostalgia. You can't go back to the past. Yeah. It's too late for that. Sorry, that's everybody. Honestly, honestly does connect to the idea of fantasy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have a fantasy that we can go back, go to, back to something. Go back to the past. Yeah. And we're yeah. all, so we're, 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 we're trying to force that in yeah. a way that's just incompatible. <laughs> Futuring fantasy. Futuring fantasy. Well, that's all. Thanks, Ruben. Well, that's all. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, come back next week, and we'll have some more Marxist Wagnerian f- reflections. Maybe I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. <laughs> things are, yeah. In contradiction. <laughs> uh, well, no, unless you're George Burch. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs>